Hello and welcome to What a Relief, the untold story of the arts tenure in the Olympics. My name is Bernadette Suffolk and my pronouns are they, them. And my name is Elizabeth Riggs and my pronouns are she, her. And welcome back for season two bonus apps. The boys are back. The boys are back in town. It's us and the town is this podcast. And we are, of course, the boys in the equation. Yeah. Um, which is great. Uh, I'm so pumped, Bernadette, first of all, to be doing just a quick, easy breezy bonus app or two, depending on how long this gets. Uh, because you're not currently living in the same town as me, and it's hard. It's true. It's been terrible. I mean, yeah. just being apart. I, I'm living, I'm recording to you from sunny San Diego. Um, and I've been in grad school and she's been full and she has been busy. Grad school, that is, uh, is the she in this scenario. And, uh, but you have to put everything on hold when the Winter Olympics come to town and you know that. You do actually have to. You do actually have to do that. Absolutely. Um, which is... Which is good of you, and we put them on hold so well that we actually missed them entirely. Uh, they ended yesterday, as of the recording of this podcast. Olympics are not happening currently, um, but we we are going to try to fill everyone in on at least as much as we know in the cram session that has been the last couple days for me. Uh, 100%. Just watching as much as I can. I'd like to think that this episode is going to stand as a pillar for people to kind of check in on what stood out about the Winter Olympics because we know, Mm -hmm. honey, that you didn't watch them all. Because that's the whole problem about the Winter Olympics is that they're the bastard stepchild of the Summer Olympics. (laughs) And they're constantly, like, you know, very expensive and no one's watching them. Um, But so that's, we know you didn't watch it, but we know that you want to be in. You want to be... You do want to be in. Hot with all the gossip, gossip at the water cooler come you know the next couple of weeks so we wanted to just kind of sum it up for you give you some little mm, tasty nuggets and then do what we do best some history and some goms some goms if you will are you saying goms yeah like Like games oh i'm so sorry i've been i've been in grad school elizabeth (laughs) oh they ruined you no 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 no. i'm pronouncing everything more beautifully now goms we do some some playing pawing of goms some i'm just i'm still hearing gums i'm gonna be real that's okay you have an untrained that's okay you have an untrained ear it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it is okay. But you know what is trained really well about me? Mm. <sighs> These eyebrows. <sighs> Gorgeous. I mean, I, I'm going to say, Elizabeth, I think that there's some other great things about you. But you're right. I shouldn't undercut the eyebrows. I just don't know Please that don't. your eyebrows are like a very podcast friendly attribute about you. They're not. They're not. Um, and I prefer it that way. Okay. <laughs> if my eyebrows were so loud that you could hear them on our <laughs> podcast, that'd be so disturbing for so many oh, reasons. You silly First of all, Billy. the science of the how would be a big one for me. Yeah, and this isn't a science podcast. This is an arts in the Olympics podcast. It's not. And we got close. Last season, we really, uh, pun intended, skated right by uh, some opportunities to talk about science science behind doping at the olympics science behind i don't know just all kinds of stuff and we, and we made it up we made it up as we went along and i had a 
great time doing it. Just in case someone for some reason is hopping into this episode and hasn't listened to our previous episodes, which would be <laughs> bug wild. Um, right. First of all, pause and don't go any further. You didn't earn this. <laughs> yeah. You have to first sit through our almost two hour first episode. Yeah. And then you can come back <laughs> like around. everyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just a little recap uh, in case you forgot. Uh, the arts were in the Olympics. Which is the the most surprising thing. Everyone says, ew, you do an Olympics podcast? And I say, don't worry. It's about the arts in the Olympics. And they said, no, they weren't there. And I say, no, no, no. They were they for were. 40 years. Um, and honestly, we there's still not enough uh, recorded about them to talk about mm-mm. them as fully as we would have liked to. Um, and yet, we're not letting that stop us. We're here no. <laughs> to do bonus episodes in honor of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. 100%. They were, yeah. uh, the arts were there for 40 years uh, from the beginning of when the modern Olympics kind of picked back up. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they were there and then they just kind of got, they they died out. Um, mostly because there was a hard, it was very difficult to figure out what was amateur and what was professional when it came to art. Once again, an argument that stands, I think, today about the sports arena, pun intended, uh, <laughs> uh, area of the Olympics, but we haven't re-examined bringing, sorry, the IOC hasn't re-examined bringing the arts back as justice. So that's what this podcast is really about. It's just creating a long, very slow build for people revolting to bring the arts back to the Olympics. This is the beginning of a revolution, so welcome. And thank you for coming back to our listeners who are back with us for for whatever this is going to be yeah. which i'll say i'm excited uh we're not going to stray far from the original formula of season one which is a little a little history a little bit of middle goodness that changed a, li- a little bit episode to episode and then of course judging of uh art using the meddling system of the olympics gold silver and bronze mm-hmm. and we're just gonna we're just gonna do that again because it worked just a dang well yeah that's all. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you first, Elizabeth. I am first. I want and some history. Give me those tasty morsels. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, as stated, since we're just doing a bonus episode or two, depending on how long we talk, um, I felt a lot of pressure to find something to talk about on the history side of things that... Um, also, like, we were able to weave in what is actively or was actively going on during this particular set of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and there just, as we mentioned, is not a lot of good recorded history about what happened um, during the arts in the Olympics and, and even, like, who won, all that stuff. Like, yeah. truly just, like, wasn't written down, which is kind of incredible to me. Or that there was a lot of people who won things, but we can't find the thing that they won for. Like, the poem that they won for, or the blueprint of the architecture they yeah. won for. Like, they were like, this was nice, and it was so nice, we're going to award you a medal, but it's not nice enough to keep around. Like, uh, children's art on the fridge. Let's let's get it out of here. Exactly. We're exactly. moving. And in my heart of hearts, I'm like, maybe it just all ended up in, like, a little private collection of someone's, and they just own a piece of art that was, like, a gold medal piece of art from, like, those, <laughs> you know, couple decades that we had this going on. But all that to say... I also really love the Winter Olympics because ice skating is a huge part of it. And 
that kind of informed what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. So this is my pitch on what we're going to talk about for the history section. I think, after reviewing the facts, (laughs) and specifically the history of ice skating, (laughs) that it should be considered an art form before it is considered a sport. Not one or the other, but just in terms of order of what what it is primarily and then what it is in more of a secondary sense an art form first then a sport i think by the end of this that you will agree and if you don't well i'd whipped this up yesterday so um and if you uh go back to the roots of ice skating it actually used to be more akin to drawing and carving than to sports like skiing or curling are you serious uh yes and it was scored as such which blew my mind uh Ice skating used to be focused more on creating geometric shapes on ice through etching with an ice skate. That is so fucking cool. Isn't that wild? I had no idea. No. And it used to be part of how we judged ice skating up until um, kind of the more the modern era. Um, So since ice skating has changed in such a major way, I want to walk through the history of ice skating, make my pitch for why this should be art form first, sport second, um, and then maybe... Just maybe, if this art form is already in the Olympics, we can build on to our argument for why art in general should be in the Olympics. Mm. So, let's go back to the top, the top of ice skating, which was back in 3000 BC, a nice long, long time ago. 3000 BC. Yes, so uh, Scandinavian and Russian peoples were using ice skates all the way back then to cross frozen waterways and lakes. Uh, but they would make these skates out of the shin bone of bigger animals, like mm. horses or sheep or cows, okay. that sort of thing. Um, but because they were just kind of like, you know, bones are not all that sharp unless you really, you know, mess with them. They had to use poles for self-propulsion. So think almost like skiing, but still very much like a skate specifically for crossing ice. Um, so 3000 BC. Somebody painted it on a cave somewhere. We still know about it. Um, and then the Dutch ultimately would go on and actually make steel skates in the 14th century. Um, I, after learning that they used bones, think that these should be called um, pony bonies. <laughs> um, that's just like my pitch. <laughs> oh, how fast after learning this fact did you come up with that name? Very, very quickly. Oh, God. Yes, quite quickly. Oh. Um, and there's no shame in the game. I mean, ice skating's already popular, but could you think, could you think of, I think it'd be akin to football. If It'd be unstoppable if it was called Pony Bonies, pony and I know Pony Bonies. Whew. Oh. That's just oh. how I feel. Wow. Um, anyway, we did move past the bones. The Dutch made 14th century steel blades, and then people were able to actually like move themselves across the ice just using the skates. The poles disappeared. Honestly, good riddance. Um, the poles meaning the poles used to push them across the ice, not uh, not Polish people. Um, <laughs> just to clarify, just to clarify, I know we've got a big international audience. Could you imagine if that was how you dropped that in? And the poles were gone. And you're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it's permanent, so <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about it. Um, okay, so... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have a large, I have a large Polish side of my family. And uh, so my first thought was like, um, I I can't wait to tell them uh, that yes. there's, there's a new slur and it's, and it's poles. 
Has that been a thing? I mean, I'm pretty sure this, the the derogatory term is Polox, right? Oh, God. It's I okay. I didn't research that. I didn't research that. I just made, like, an off-the-cuff. Shoot. Okay, well. You're not up on the, the derogatory term for Polish individuals. Um, I'm not. You know. I'm not. So, And I think, I think that's okay in the grand scheme of, like, life. Not well, being up on uh, slurs is, I think, really great. I think that's actually a, it's huge, a good sign. A huge okay, success. Okay, okay. Never mind, never mind. Um, okay, now that I've taken all that time for two bullet points. Um, so, uh, skating eventually arrived in Britain in about 1660 when King Charles II was restored back to the throne. Uh, he had been in exile in the Netherlands and brought ice skating with him. Um, and then the more like technical discipline of figure skating just flourished um because immediately uh it took a little while but it kind of hit like the biggest it had been up till that point in about the 18th century um because folks had time to like just do fun stuff and not just try to survive like okay all kinds of just garbage that we don't even think it was it was a a uh a cold athletic renaissance if you will in a in a big, a big old way. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. that does seem kind of late in the grand scheme of things. Like, because, like, wasn't, like, mm-hmm. basketball invented, like, you know. Uh, b- I don't. Bef- oh, I do. I do. <laughs> okay, if you could, If you could actually pause for a second, I'll tell you. Um, it was created before Jesus, before Christ, B.C., um, for, for, 400 B.C., uh yeah yeah when someone was trying to uh throw away a, a a stick um into a hole and uh the guy got it in and he screamed Kobe and then that's a oh basketball was invented <laughs> fuck this whole story none of this is real uh okay well thank you for mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um I guess it's like it's kind of it kind of belongs in the in the pod basketball's in the olympics sometimes yeah so whatever okay you know what thank you for that anytime um okay so the very first time that they ever organized a figure skating club was in the 1740s in uh scotland mm-hmm. in edinburgh um edinburgh how <laughs> shit <laughs> And here's the thing, too. When I saw it spelled on the page, I'm like, don't forget. That's not how it's said. And then I said it. And I said it phonetically anyway. Because okay. As the because dyslexic know one, why. you know I'm not going to shit on you. You know I'm not going to shit on you. I, I just that. fucking love that it's Monaco and Edinburgh. Oh I God. love yeah. that it's and a It's a, a beautiful line. world that I'm creating. Yeah. Those are two towns in my beautiful oh, world. Oh, God. And you're welcome to visit. I would love a podcast episode that is just Elizabeth taking us around the world and telling us fun facts about <laughs> cultures Amerika. and places are named. Yeah. <laughs> Am Erica? Mm-hmm. Um, happy to do so. Thank separate you. pod, separate pod. Okay. Um, so they create this uh, figure skating club in the 1740s in Edinburgh, Scotland. Good grief. And there was an entrance test in order to be able to join. You had to complete a circle with each foot, like standing on one foot and and skating in a circle on your left and your right foot. And then, you're going to love this, you also had to be able to jump over a stack of three hats. (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. And I don't know why it was hats. I, I, I laughed aloud when I read this. That is and now you are too. so funny. Wait, yeah. okay, okay, the subjectiveness of yeah. the kind of hat immediately throws me off. You know what I mean? Visors and a and a, a, a big old Abraham Lincoln kind of top hat are going to give you different skills. I agree. I agree entirely. And it just feels like... Um, like it was coming from a place of like, oh, uh, the tryouts are today and we're already at the rink and everyone needs a more impressive exam. So what do we have on hand? Well, good thing we all wore our biggest hats today you know, or our smallest. Maybe they were small hats and it just was like not even hard. You know what I'd like? Can I can I pitch how it happened? Yes, of course. Someone of course skated can. their little circle, and then they skated it so well that everyone cheered, yippee, yippee, <laughs> the big old circle has happened. And then yippee. everyone, <laughs> yippee, yippee, <laughs> and then everyone took their hats off in celebration and threw them onto the rink. Like, ah, a celebration. And then there was one guy, there was three hats that just happenstantially, coincidentally, landed on top of each other. And then Svenish, Svenish man, Svenish boy, is his name. Good, yeah. Good, uh, yep, said, good. Said, ah, an obstacle. Whippee! And then jumped over it. And they were like, a star is born. A star is born. <laughs> and then Bradley Cooper came out and said, I'm sexual tension with you, Sven is born. And then they <laughs> ran away in love. And that's how it was invented. So really what you're telling us is the story of Bradley Cooper being a time traveler who was sent to today to save... Lady Gaga. From okay. herself. Okay, I knew you would love that fact, and you loved it as much as I knew that you would, which was so great. So, 1740s hit, this club has started, they jump over hats, and things really start picking up. By 1772, a Englishman named Robert Jones has penned figure skating's very first instructional book Ooh. called uh, A Treatise on Skating. It sounds dry, <laughs> and it probably was, because it just offered directions on creating shapes on the ice, such as circles serpentine lines, spirals, and figure eights. Mm. And this was considered, creating these shapes alone, was considered the English style of figure skating. And people were solely judged on the precision of the patterns that they etched on the ice, not the techniques that they used to make them. I love that, though. Isn't that fascinating? Because we'll get into uh, this during the uh, later segment, but what I want to put a little pin in the fact that what that allows is different styles creating the same end product, which is so yeah. fun because it encourages like ingenuity and inventiveness. I really enjoy Absolutely. that. And uh, I think what is so fascinating too is now like, it's just become so much bigger than that in the style of figure skating that we see today. It, like no one's walking out onto the ice afterwards to even look at like what you've created with your feet really, which is what blew me out of the water. Okay, so... By the late 1800s, figure skating competitions required participants to perform uh, 41 designs, all based out of a figure eight, um, as well as their own special figures that they came up with themselves. So still some room for creativity of like, oh, wow, you made a heart inside of another heart. <laughs> Amazing. Aww. But also 41 other figures that like you must create and we have to judge the precision of those. And that's what figure skating was. Oh, my God. Which is crazy to me. It's two things. It's drawing, but it's what I would I would categorize as, well, 
it's not a painting. But there is mm-hmm. a style of painting called action painting, when the painting is more about the way you created it than the end product itself. So like maybe action sculpting, but like that's so, that is so an art form and it's a performance piece, right? It's a performance art piece that creates its own sculpture, which is so fucking cool. Yes. Yes. We're all thinking of the scene from the princess diaries where they're making the balloon art, where all the balloons are full of paint and then they throw darts at them. Mia Thermopolis and her yes, mother. Of course I'm with thinking that of that. Louie in the background yes. in their firehouse that was turned into a fucking cool house that they live in. Yes. My favorite <sighs> I trope. Wanted her, I wanted her bedroom. Oh my god. My favorite trip of all time is the fact that quote unquote poor people in movies have actually the best spots. Like that firehouse the or like best. Dan uh, and Jenny's uh, place in Gossip Girl. They had this like New York apart or it was in Brooklyn. That's why they were poor. Uh, right. But it was like this <laughs> massive brick loft. Like gorgeous. I think it's the funniest trope about how actually those would be like multi, multi, multi million dollar structures. <laughs> Absolutely. Truly. And completely unaffordable to most of the residents of the world. Um, Okay. So, finally, the U.S. catches on to the figure skating craze. Uh, Also, figure skating makes so much more sense now because they were literally drawing figures. Figures. Just to, like, just to put that out there. Because it really did take... I had to do a lot of research before that clicked. And I was like, I got to get out ahead of this. Thank you. So, (laughs) the year... (laughs) You're welcome. So, the years before the Civil War the skating craze kind of hit the US. And technical innovations that were being made had uh, allowed skates to be something you just clipped onto a pair of shoes that you already owned. So it was super, super affordable. Mm. Uh, So more people got into it. Plus it was one of the only recreational activities at the time that was considered socially acceptable to do in mixed company, a group of men and women. Fascinating. Yes. You can see it for yourself in Little Women. The film. Yeah. Plug for a film I'm not in. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> As opposed to all the other films we've talked about, specifically Osmosis Jones, that you are in. <laughs> yeah, that like every shame I've ever felt lives in. Because, wow. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about movies on this podcast for that very reason. No more. Okay. <laughs> so, enter longtime New York resident... And man with a damn plan, Jackson Haynes. Haynes was a trained dancer and was once recruited by none other than P.T. Barnum to entertain audiences with his roller skating tricks. Would you explain who P.T. Barnum is? Circus circus man, big time circus guy. Okay, okay. Like, uh, and I think still has, yeah, the Barnum and Bailey Circus is still oh, running in the right. U.S. Okay, cool. Yes. So that P.T. Barnum. Cool. So... Haynes sees this English style of skating and thinks, wow, that's so stale. Where is the artistry? Amen, brother. Where is the fluidity? <laughs> Truly. <laughs> we were like, yeah, I mean, yes. Um, so he's like, you know what? I've got this background in roller skating and I'm a trained dancer. He decides to basically just create a new style of skating, mm. uh, which became known as you've got English style. And then his style was international style <laughs> because anything that's not English is international apparently um so this new style much much closer to what we're seeing today in ice skating okay lots of ballet moves leaps and spins and everything is set to music 
I know what you're thinking. The public. What did they think? Well, by and large, they absolutely hate, they hated it. Uh, uh, I was thinking that. Yeah. Is, is cause you couldn't look at the pretty pictures anymore, right? They, they didn't like change. Can you believe? Oh my God. You know, I'll say it. Makes sense. <laughs> when have we ever? Squares. Total squares. So Haynes is like, fuck all y'all leaves the US and heads to Europe and audiences over there are like losing their shit because he's doing stuff like putting uh, the waltz into now this new style of skating. Uh, So basically he tours the continent, makes a bunch of friends specifically in Vienna uh, and began teaching others around 1868. So this newer form of ice skating is taking hold. In 1882, Haynes uh, and his school of Skating protégés are at the Vienna Skating Club um, hosting the first international figure skating championship. Um, At this competition, some history was made. Uh, A gentleman from Norway named Axel Paulsen introduced a new kind of jump that is now like the bedrock of figure skating, um, which is a one and a half revolution turn that has now been called the The axle. So you'll hear the double axle, triple axle. There are like quadruple and quintuple axles that people are like trying to make happen, but like so intense. On the lips of commentators for this specific Winter Olympics. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The thing that I smiled about uh, when I learned that like that's where axle is, that word is coming from. I'd always thought axle like the car part, like, oh, like a part that turns. Yeah, Yeah, axle. Instead of being spelled A-X-L-E, like a car axle, it's spelled A-X-E-L, like his name. Oh. Because I kept looking up the word axle and looking for other definitions, and I couldn't find one until I s- flipped the L and E. Oh. It's just like small things like this that, like, help help me get through the day. <laughs> so that happened. Um, and then figure skating at this point is like, especially as new international style is just exploding because it's more about dance. uh, And it's just a totally new way of um, being on the ice. And and you're looking for totally different criteria. So the very first kind of big figure skating star that emerged uh, was out of Sweden. His name was Ulrich Saukau. Saukau is also now a term. Yes. It's spelled Saukau. Okay. It's pronounced Saukau. Also Edinburgh. Uh, he won 10 men's world championships between 1901 and 1911. Okay. Kind of just dominated. Oh, so every year in a row. Yeah, for 10 years. Oh my God, straight. Yeah. Oh my God. Because these are just the world championships, which are held separately from the Olympics. Championships are happening every year. Yeah. Um, during, during his reign of, of glory is when he performed the jump that's now named after him, uh, where you start on um, by taking off on the back inside part of your foot, and then you land on the back outside edge of a different foot, preferably your other foot. Mm-hmm. So he kind of exploded. And then, this is a good part that will make you happy, competitive figure skating had been like a, a man's sport, just totally dominated by men, until this English woman, Mage Sires, finished second to Sao Cao at the 1902 World Championships. There wasn't a rule keeping women out of the sport. They hadn't thought it was necessary to create one. Because the they were like, who would? Who exactly. would do that? The, the International Skating Union was like, well, 
it flies in the face of Victorian sensibilities. So, Mm. like, what woman in her right mind would want to do a physical activity and, like, shame herself in front of people at these competitions. Yeah, amen, brother. Who would, I'm who, like, what woman would want to shame herself by flying free on ice? All I know is that every single man on the board of the International Skating Union clearly had never met or spent any time with a woman. Well, we know that. Like it was obvious. It was a bunch of insults for sure. Clearly. So they did go ahead and make a rule because she got too close basically to winning. She was second to Salkow's first at that championship. Oh, they no. create a rule, a rule and bar women from competing. Oh no. And basically women are out of luck for 4 years, 4 championships, which in the world of skating is like a very long time. And then finally they created a women's uh, championship in 1906 and then introduced a pairs or couples skate championship in 1908 but they really took their sweet time four that years is so sad all you got to do is copy and paste whatever shit you're doing for that men's event and you've got a women's event or just don't make the rule right like that's so sad that someone like she got so close i mean not so close she won second like that's incredible and they were like oh oh no oh we didn't realize you'd be here Oh, that's so awkward. Like, instead of being like, oh, how great. Oh, that's so sad. Okay, we have finally arrived. The figure skating event that we know and love finally made its Olympic debut in 1908 at, you guessed it, the Summer Games. Oh, I'll say it. I wouldn't have guessed that. (laughs) (laughs) Be honest. Would you have guessed it or no? Summer Olympics was not the one that was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Uh, No, this blew me away as well. Uh, The 1908 Olympics, the Summer Olympics were in London. And the skating events, weirdly enough, weren't even held until about three months after the main games shut down and ended, but are still considered part of those Olympic games. That's interesting. So, to be fair, Germany had actually planned a Winter Olympics to proceed the 1916 Berlin Summer Olympics, but those games actually never happened because of World War One. So the first time that Berlin ended up hosting was uh, the famous 1936 games under the Nazis, um, which I thought was so interesting that both sets of games in Berlin uh, were affected by world wars um, or yeah. just just barely happened before world wars. Like, I don't know. And that is that is the worst thing that the World War II affected, too. Yeah. Yeah. That, I I know that that, that was a joke. There was worse things that World War II affected. You said I'll, it. I'll say it. I will say it. You said it, and I was like, I don't really get... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I basically did the thing where someone asks you a question and you, or says something and you don't hear me go, <laughs> can you, can you believe that? And then you're just like trying to move on. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Is it because we had already kind of discussed a racism towards the poles? And so you, it just kind of fell in line with the podcast that so you're like, Brunette would suddenly drop that for that suddenly they were like a Holocaust denier for sure. Wow, imagine if that just, like, came out in this podcast to be so much worse than, like, stuff I've said on the podcast about, like, other stuff I've done. So, I'm not going to say it again. If people are only listening to this episode, I've got a pretty good reputation with those three people. So, um, and I like that. You know, this is a a special episode. 
this is a special toad for a lot of reasons. And it's extra special because there's some real n- dirty dirt kind of getting dug up. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, and we know we can edit this so freely, so that's good. Let's just keep it that's, in. Thank God. So thank Christ. <laughs> yeah, this won't ruin my career at all. Not at all. No, no. Okay, not me, not me so after my poor joke, we're, we go to where? To the, to the first Olympics that the uh, figure skating is included in. Fantastic. Sal Cal, the dude, won a gold medal. No big surprise there. Dude had won like 10 championships. Madge Sires comes back with a vengeance to capture the gold in the ladies competition. And then precious upon precious thing, she and her husband were in the pairs competition together and won a bronze. The ultimate date night. The ultimate (laughs) date night. I'll say it. They probably had a good weekend. I, I hope so. I hope so. And that is like, I do love it when people in the the pairs skating competition for ice skating are, skating are actually a couple. I do oh love God. that. I feel like you Absolutely. can see it. Um, and then I and then I yeah. also love it when two people that you think should be a couple are like, we're not. And you're like, but that out there was too hot to be made up. Yeah. Like that Canadian couple who was skated mm-hmm. this year. And you're like, you're literally, I'm sorry, this is softcore porn. I'm like watching you fuck I know, on ice. I know. So that's something that also draws me back to ice skating. I love again. it. The, the gyrations. The, the romance of it all. The romance of it all, truly. I was always curious why there weren't more crossovers in between pairs and individual skating. And I mean, we've, maybe we've gotten to the point now in sports, like most sports, where you have to just specialize so much right. that like you just don't have time to like rehearse or right. whatever, right. practice those things. But I, it bums me out. Oh, I same, because I think it would be cool to like see some of these pairs athletes as individuals. But you also figure like there's just like all kinds of like training that you probably are only doing for that pairs competition about 100%. just like you throw me in the air and then you catch me and I have to know how to like handle my body during that whole throw. You're not learning that when you're having to self propel yourself into the air. Can I pitch? Nailed it. Yes. Like many things about the Olympics, I wish that there was just like some room for people to have fun. Um, <laughs> I would love that if people who skated in the individuals got randomly paired with each other. Oh. To do, like, an improvised skate. Wow, so dangerous. Okay, maybe less throws and more like a sensual dance. Just like a sexy dance? Yeah, like a floor routine. Like like, I, like ice dancing? Yes. Kind of. Yes. I don't disagree. And I think it would also show us who can really, like, make it up on the fly. Because yeah. people do practice their routines for years yeah. until the games. It's kind of insane. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes. Yes to all of that. <laughs> we had this part of skating that was etching. Make shapes on the ice. It needs to be as precise as possible. We're going to judge you based off of this. Then we've got um, more just dance-inspired, very fluid ice skating. So the English style versus the international style. Um, the compulsory figures, which are those etchings, um, basically made for boring television. When they started uh, to finally put the Olympics on television, they realized like, oh, nobody cares about this. And like, it's just not the same even over TV to watch someone like, wow, what a perfect figure eight. 
and look at how beautiful the line work is. Like it's just not coming across. On the other hand, the international style, flashy, big. People are throwing each other across the ice. It's such better television. So they have the Winter Olympics on TV for the first time in 1968. American skater, Miss Peggy Fleming, wins uh, gold for her performance. Um, And basically, slowly but surely, the etchings part of the sport starts to die away until the 1990s when it's not even considered part of the program anymore. Wait. But it was a part of that up until then? That's crazy that it was so recently cut out. Yeah, I wonder, quick question, like, was the etching a score in the international style, or was it its own category? I believe it was part of just your program. Okay, so it was, like, something you could be scored on. Yes, yes. So, and now I'm like... I didn't write that down, but I did so much reading. I feel like the answer is okay. If it's not, you know what? I wouldn't know otherwise. And I won't, I won't find out later. Um, I mean, to be fair, I don't, I don't, I didn't understand most about the scoring in, in figure skating until today when I was like reading about it. Like there's so much going on there that is so, that is so specific and technical and historic that I mean, NBC is doing an okay job. Like, I, I mean, they've got the fun boxes in the corner now right. that tell you what kind of jumps they did and what those points are for and then, like, how right. it was scored. Um, but, yeah, there's a Stop. lot going on there. Oh, no, there is. And their scores are, like, in the hundreds of points. Yeah. And you're just yeah. like, how? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, if you have information on that, that'll be super interesting to go into. I do. Um, I did want to specify because there was actually a split in uh, basically ice skating and ice dancing. Okay. Which are two separate sports. And there is a difference. Basically, ice dancing was pulled out of the Vienna Skating Club from way back in the day from our dude Haynes, the New Yorker, who didn't think ice skating had enough flair. Yeah. Basically, it was an adaptation of the waltz. Uh, from the 1800s. So it just became its own sport entirely in 76, 1976, uh, and has since then been a separate category. The difference, which I did not know, between ice dancing and ice skating is that um, ice dancers don't do jumps, and they only do certain kinds of lifts, and it's very specific. So at the end of the day, the programs could look really similar, but what will be different is basically like those tricks that are getting you points. Okay. Yeah. That felt important to me. So I told you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's, it's important. It's and really sorry, important. Sorry if this um, maybe be common knowledge for other people, but I don't know. It, and, uh, ice dancing and figure skating are both still happening? Yes. Yes. I are. feel like I only hear about figure skating. I have a feeling that it all gets lumped under the one heading of skating. Sure, okay. And there's not a lot of, like, you know, just out in, like, the media, you're not hearing a lot about how those things are different or how, you know, there are different types of competitions for different, uh, the two sides of the house, if you will, ice dancing and ice skating. So, um, so now you know about that. you know. You had mentioned, like, oh, well, you know, why is there maybe this, like, extra um there's extra attention put on like women's figure skating now yeah than men's figure skating i think truly it boils down to the drama Mm. um i 
this is what I think. And part of that is because of, which we covered, the great duel to basically the death between Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Rip. It is considered the sixth highest rated broadcast in U.S. history. Wait, really? uh, the, The final night of the ladies program where the two of them were both skating. I didn't know that. That's massive. Isn't that crazy? That's still... It's st- it's still holding its place, and that was in '94. Uh, With the numbers that football gets today, and the <clears throat> Big Bang Theory, <coughs> um, <laughs> sorry, but the numbers are there. The numbers are there, unfortunately. With the numbers that they're getting, I mean, specifically just like ESPN and like um, football, I'm just shocked that it's it's kept its like standing. Like that's a lot of people to watch. Well, and. Uh, season finales of Survivor have come and gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, Bla- the Bachelorette. Come on. Has come and gone. Friends. Friends. Fred- also come f- and gone. Uh, friends. They're- oh, they're gone. Friends. Oh, they're- you best believe. But Sex in the City is back, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. TBD. Even-, even though the new show is supposed to be an entirely separate show that just happens to have the same characters. I'm like, yeah. that is... Kind of the same I've, show. I've heard it's fucking terrible, actually. <clears throat> I've heard it's like absolute I'm garbage. Not tuned in. Okay. So I wanted to give you I wanted to give you the history because I feel like the history kind of speaks for itself in terms of, oh wow, skating used to be almost in a weird sense, like a graphic art in yeah. if you look at it a certain ways, uh, where you're really focused on like lines over color, obviously, uh-huh. but it's it's this graphic art where at the end of it you're looking at the finished product not at how somebody created it that feels like a standalone piece of art that just happens to be on ice and is going to melt but it's art for a time an ephemeral art totally an ephemeral art and I feel like it's only continued to evolve into something that's like more and more demanding performance art uh, that just also happens to have a great deal of visual artistry like the costuming and the makeup choices, that alone is like art being put on a human canvas and then art within art going out and doing this basically dance on ice. Right. If that is not the bridge that allows us to bring the arts back to the Olympics, I don't know what else would be. You bow at the end of your uh, figure skating routine, just like a performance. There's fucking character work going on. Yes. With these ice skaters. Um, we saw it in uh, several people that did ice skating where they were portraying uh, characters that we know and love from other types of art, like um, the genie from Aladdin. Right. Uh, and shoot, what's the name of the dude that did that piece? He was so good at it. Oh, I um, really don't remember. It was uh, Marissi. Last name starts with a K. Marissi K. Yeah. <sighs> Marissi K. I just feel like having gone back to the roots of ice skating, found out, oh my gosh, it used to almost be just drawing on ice. And now it's like even more of like an artistic sport. All that to say, I still think even more now than ever before that ice skating is first and foremost an art form and then a sport. Not to make light of the amount of training and physical exertion and prowess you have to have in order to compete in the ice skating arena at the Olympics, but at its core, it's art. 
And then it's a sport. And then we judge it. And then we put point values on things. But before that, I think it's just a piece of performance art um, that's beautiful and just insanely hard to do. Insanely hard. Absolutely. And we look at the same thing with the floor routine in gymnastics. Yes. Right? Yes. We're both ice skating or figure skating and um, gymnastic floor routines have scoring that's about the art of it, which is also, I will say, one of what is perceived as a possible downfall, quote unquote, currently. It makes it subjective, right? There's a subjective scoring portion. Mm -hmm. Yep. So my thought is like, if there's already a subjective scoring portion, lean in. (laughs) You know what I mean? 100%. 100%. If you get to be willy-nilly for a little bit at the end, just like find a whole section where you can be subjective. And also, I will say, get judges that can be good at judging that subjective portion, right? Because the problem, yeah. one of the problems that we have is that the judging of figure skating has a lot of people who are, one, I I did recently find out like how intertwined the IOC and the committees are. Sure, um, sure. Interesting. Well, I mean, which I was, like, looking at because of uh, the, like, current doping scandal of, like, right. how much um, nonpartisan investigation can you have when, like, people who are a part of that specific sport and in, in charge of making sure that goes forward and that sport is important is also on the general, like, IOC committee who's supposed to be, mm-hmm. in, like, investigating those people. It's fucking bullshit, obviously. Um, I hope you're going to talk more about that because that's yes, I will. Fascinating. Um, okay, good. But uh, like, the, the a lot of these people like aren't judging dancing on their off time, right? right? They're right. judging like a lot of like very technical, like ice and skate placement. Right. Ice placement. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's on the ground. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's on the side. And they're like, what is that? They're What's judging that. when it comes from above and it's deadly. And you're like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> is that yeah. fun? Falling okay. ice. <laughs> um, yeah, but they're not like trained to judge the art of it all. Not that they don't have opinions no. or like that's a part of it, obviously. But I think if we just like opened that box... And, like, just admitted to the artistic nature of it and, like, let that be its own part, then we could have a lot, like, a lot more judges who were also interested in that specific kind of technique. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know, I know there are ice skating programs that put more emphasis on, like, the um, artistry of it. Whereas I know, like, the U.S. is, like, let's jump as high as possible and do the biggest you know, aerial tricks that we can, which has a lot of merit and value, clearly, because we keep winning pretty wild medals uh, every four years and then at all these championships around the world. But still, I agree. I think you could break down the judges so that there are folks truly there to almost judge the dance element. And then folks that were just there for, like, aerial tricks. And, oh, wow, you did, you know, four backflips and that's insane. Like here's, here's a very specific way we're going to score it. Right. Or it's a different like segment altogether to not let like, um, Oh God. (laughs) The example that just popped into my head was like how in Quidditch, it's not super important to fuck around with the quaffle when the snitch exists. It's just not, it's just really not. It's like, 
And we like want to pull for those players, but we don't care. We're like, where's Draco right. and where's Harry? And everyone points towards like the cup with uh, with Bulgaria and Ireland, and they're like, look, Ireland won because of the cup. Qual- but like, we know like she was just fucking around, like strategically. She realized she built the game wrong. She realized she built yes, and and she had to give us an example of like actually. Nuh-uh. And you're like, no. Yeah, and keeping keeping in line with my jokes of this episode, uh, that oh, is no. the only fault of J.K. Rowling, actually, is, is how she built Quidditch, but everything else. And see, because you set it up so, so obviously, I was able to, like, really latch on and, and enjoy it. And just enjoy it. Yeah, one thing grad school has taught me is that if you over-explain your jokes before they even happen, they have a much higher success rate. (laughs) Just straight up slaying. Yeah, it felt like that. 